Welcome to Earthy, where eco-loving meets adventure living. Here you'll enjoy stories from people living lives based on what they love. If you're sick of depressing news, you're in the right place. Earthy is designed to inspire and teach you about sustainability, earth-friendly lifestyles, travel, and well-being. Your host is an adventure and lifestyle author, Shannon Annette. excited to introduce our guest. Um, this is Daylene Heck, and she is part of the Heck team, uh, Pete and Daylene, and they are from Canada, and they have a very wildly successful travel blog called Hectic Travels, a play on their name, and I have been following them for quite some time, and their slogan is one of my favorite. It is no possessions, no plans, just travel, and I just love that about them. Daylene, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us today. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so where exactly are you right now? Uh, we just got to Prague by the, at the end of last week for, after a month of running around Finland. And yeah, we're here for a few weeks now to really explore the city. Well, that's awesome. Um, I've been I've been following you for a little while, and I gotta say that your Instagram feed is one of my favorites. You guys are some gifted photographers, and I'm not the only one who thinks that. Looks like you have been honored by National Geography Traveler of the Year, and last year it looks like you won that title. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. That was pretty big shock <laughs> when we found that out. Um, but a really, really incredible honor, something we never could have imagined, but we're really enjoying having that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, I, let me just put a, a quick plug in for you guys. You have uh, your website at hectictravels.com. You also have your Instagram feed, Hectic Travels. Um, of course, you have your Facebook page at Hectic Travels. Are there any other feeds, a YouTube channel, anything else you'd like to plug? Everything. Twitter, YouTube. Um, well, actually, I guess that's probably... Oh, Pinterest as well. We're, of course, on Pinterest. So. Love Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, I'd like to know a little bit about you before all of this. Um, I know you do mention your story. You go into great detail about your story on your blog, and, and we don't need to get into that since you do spell it out very well on your blog, but I wanted to know, what did your day-to-day life um, look like before you became Hectic Travels? Um, well, before we really decided to sell everything and travel, because that process itself took quite a while, but before that, we were both, you know, pretty much corporate drones. <laughs> um, we had a big house in the suburbs of a little town outside of Calgary, Alberta. Uh, we both worked in Calgary, so our typical day during the week was a, a long commute, at least an hour each way, um, which does sound painful, but actually that was probably the best quality time that we had together was drive to and from work. Um, you know, at least, I mean, never just eight hours a day at the office, but always typically more than that. Um, then get in the car back home, um, usually gripe about our day and, and whatnot and start the whole process over again the next day. That was basically our life. You guys sound American. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that up in Canada too. The Canadian dream is very similar yeah yeah so you say it took quite some time to you know transition into this life tell me about that process and how long that did take uh well once we made the decision it was terrible timing on our part we were when the whole market crash started to happen in 2008 i guess and everybody everybody the real start 
estate market started tanking was just about exactly when we decided to put our house on the market. So if we would have been a month sooner, we would have sold it very quickly and gotten a lot more for it. Um, but it just so happened we put it on just as the market was starting to fall. And so about a year, over a year later, um, we had been dropping the price, dropping the price, you know, not wanting to give up on our dream. But we had finally gotten to the point where um, our real estate agent was recommending one more drop. And we just said, no, you know what? I don't think, I think this is a sign, you know, we pulled it off the market. We're trying to figure out what else we could do if we could rent it and still continue traveling or whatnot. But then a few weeks after that, another real estate agent contacted us. She had shown our house a couple times before and said, I think I have the perfect family for you. Um, Pete was actually in Quebec at the time for work and I was at home by myself and it all happened in a matter of two days. They came and saw the house, they loved it and said that they wanted to buy it. So boom, deal done. And we had an end or a move out date for a couple months later. So we packed or sold as much as we could, packed some stuff up, um, and then gave ourselves a few months to travel around our province and say, see our family and friends, spend some good quality time with them. And then we were off. So it was about 18 months after we'd made the decision that we were finally on a plane. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a pretty amazing story. You guys were definitely persistent and, uh, that's, that's good to see. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. good to see. Now, um, without diving too much into details, you talk about your blog about how you kind of went underwent an absurd amount of, of, of bad or tragic things in seven month period. And that's kind of what spawned this new, um, idea for a new life, new starts for you. Would you say that this new life or travel has sort of saved you because of that? Yeah, we went through some really, um, unfathomable tragedies all kind of backed up against each other. And when the last thing really happened, when my sister passed away very unexpectedly, um, it hit me really, really hard, just everything all at once. And, uh, so it was a pretty, deep, dark hole I fell into. And, you know, I just tried all kinds of therapy and was on antidepressants and, you know, doing everything the doctors told me to just try to get myself over that pain that I was feeling. Um, and I was making progress, but it wasn't until we made that decision. It had kind of been in the back of my head that this is something that, you know, it was time to pursue this dream of travel. And, when we finally made the decision to do it, I really think that was the turning point of getting myself out of that state of depression and, and feeling more positively about life again. And uh, yeah, so in a way, I mean, not saying that I ever could have not gotten past that, but it sure accelerated it um, and made me feel a lot more positive and encouraged that I could take what I had been through and turn it into something positive. And yeah, this is, and ever since then, we've been happier than ever thought imaginable. So it was the right thing. That's for sure. Congratulations for finding, for finding that, um, and listening to yourself because, you know, you, you describe this very well in your, um, about page and all the, uh, you know, frequently asked questions and things like that. And I remember you described, I guess you're sort of dropped towards, you know, the bottom and how you just saw this sliver of light, this new opportunity, new life that, um, you know, you couldn't help but, you know, go towards. And that was the only thing that seemed like, I'm totally adding words to what you said, but um, it seemed seemed like it was like the only thing worth reaching for, you know, that you were kind of sleepwalking and, and, you know, through just trying to get through, you know, your, your day to day. And um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty inspirational because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are in that situation now. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't even have to be travel. That's the answer, right? It just, it was just what pulled us through. But I think 
Um, it's unfortunate, but you talk to a lot of other travelers and, and like us, and a lot of times it happened the same way. It, it's something really dramatic happened that made you just rethink and revalue your life. And whether it means travel or moving to a new town or starting a new job or something, you know, it's it whatever that is for that person. I think it it's unfortunate it sometimes takes that tragedy to reach for it, but you know, here we are. So yeah. hopefully it does, hopefully by telling our story, maybe some people won't have to wait for that. Yeah. You know, I have used travel as therapy as well. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and I have a little um, article I wrote that was called find yourself in your suitcase mm-hmm. because um, it took me such a long time to even understand, you know, all of who I am and even my sexuality because I was raised in a very, very, you know, conservative right wing um Christian upbringing where, you know, it was not okay to be gay. I can't go there in my mind. And it took, you know, travel and me being away from home for a period of time, thousands of miles away, a language bearer for me to feel safe enough to explore in that portion of my body and go, oh, I'm gay. Everything makes sense. It's all good now. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It really, it can open you up to a million different things you never would have thought possible. It just makes everything so much clearer, I think. I I agree. I agree. You know, when you don't have uh, the day-to-day stressors, you know, um, and you're actually out and about and traveling, you're already outside of your comfort zone. It's like, well, I'm already out here. Might as well explore all this other stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always tell the story. This is going to be a total tangent. I apologize. But that's okay. when I think about even the first few months of our travels and I when I realized how much I could even just listen to my body more you know I can now point out oh I have an iron deficiency (laughs) and I never could have before because you know you're masked with stress and you're masked with your body's masked with all these other things and and you just you don't have take that time or have that ability to listen but now I feel like I can like I know when I'm missing something or wow. anyways it's just a funny side effect that I never could have imagined yeah I, I didn't get that one but I'm really proud that you did <laughs> that's a great job <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't have that one um so uh back to your travels and your current lifestyle um mm-hmm. are you guys are you guys self-sustaining or are you working off a, a savings or how, how are you accomplishing this so we were for the first few years I mean luckily even though the market tanked, we had bought our house at a good time. So we still made a good chunk of money off of it. And for the first uh, couple of years, we were solely just based on our savings. Um, after the first year, when we we went back to Canada from South America for a family wedding and realized that we wanted to get back out on the road, but also realized that if we kept going at the pace we were, we were going to deplete all of our money quite quickly. So we knew we, want, we needed to find some ways to make income. And so that's when we started to blog. We had never even heard of blog before that. Um, but then we took it on ourselves to start Hector Travels and didn't expect it to completely sustain us, but just provide a little help along the way. Um, and then a few years into that, we realized that, yeah, it wasn't going to sustain us. I mean, it is possible. And of course, there are bloggers out there that are able to make a very good living off of it. Um, but we just weren't finding that way for us because of the way that we like to blog. And um, so then we turned our attention to another business. And we, for the last year, have been running a media company where we connect travel brands and destinations with bloggers. So, for example, we're doing a small town in Western Canada. 
Canada now who wanted to work with bloggers but really had no idea where to start. I mean, there's thousands out there. How do you find good ones? And so they hire us to find the blogs that will meet their needs and then also manage the campaign for them. So we have several clients that we're doing that for now. And it's just been over a year and we've been tremendously successful with it already. And uh, yeah, so we now know that really this is our way forward and and it's going to keep us being able to travel indefinitely. That's brilliant. I've never even heard of that service and and that makes a whole lot of sense. And it seemed like one of you guys, or maybe both, are are a bit of a techie. Um, Is that true? Oh gosh, no, neither of us. (laughs) No? Really? Wow. Then you're quick learners because I know when I looked at your advertise with us or I forget how you worded it on your website, Mm -hmm. it showed all the different, you know, percentages and specs and it was all written in very, um, you know, perfect jargon. And so you guys have definitely been quick learners. And if you're not techies. Oh, no. No, we hire people for that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you're smart. Yeah. Yeah. Do what you get at, right? Yeah. Well, we both have business backgrounds. Pete was an accountant and I was in uh, negotiation and contract management. So we both come from a, a place that, you know, we're able to put those skills now with our new found loves of travel and, and media, new media. And so it's actually working out really well for us that we can do that together. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff, yeah, but to make it look pretty, we have no skills in that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And, and as far as writing background, um, who does most, most of the writing or is it shared? No, it's probably 90 to 95% me. Uh, Pete does most of the photography. Um, we kind of split Instagram though. And, uh, yeah, so it, it really depends, but most of the writing is me. And do you have any background in writing or just, it's a hobby or, I mean, you know, the blog is wildly successful, you know, so are you just really excited that that worked out? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no, no skill, like business writing was all I ever knew. I know, but you know, my sister was a writer. My other sister is a high school English teacher. So I don't know, maybe I've inherited a bit of their gifts. Well, I would never say I'm gifted, but um, <laughs> able to at least string the words together that people like to read apparently. So, and a, a big credit to Pete's photos because he really makes the site pop. But um, yeah, it's uh, all been acquired along the way. Yeah, it's great. You guys have a perfect set of uh, tools to combine there. You're right. His his images are phenomenal. My, some of my favorite are from um, Iceland. Some of your kayaking uh, pictures in Iceland with the glaciers. Yeah, that was actually a trip to yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Tell me about that trip just to be a sidetrack because I was so curious how that trip was. It looked so beautiful. At the same time, I was going, how can you not be freezing? <laughs> oh, you know, it wasn't that bad at all. I mean, it was mid-August. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would. It was colder than it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be like an average around 8 degrees and it was about Celsius and it was about 2. So it was a little bit colder and it was raining part of the time. And, you know, we grew, both grew up in northern Canada, so it takes quite a lot to get us to whine about the cold. Um, we're kind of built for that, I think. I'd rather be in a cold climate than a, than a really hot climate. So it was just, it was the most incredible experience that we were just looking at other kayak trips today, maybe up in Northern Norway or something, because it was at the time, you know, you feel a little cold, you feel a little wet and, oh, we've got a kayak 25 kilometers day. And sometimes you get a little grouchy about having to put those stupid suits on again. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those experiences when you look back on it afterwards and it's like, man, that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and 
yeah, we just want to get out and do something like that again. Yeah, it was it was great to watch and kind of experience through you guys, through your eyes. Obviously, you know, people don't get to see these portions of the country very much, and then you have your photography, and it's just what it, it's a great treat. And it's not like off some you know magazine where it doesn't feel real and it could be photoshopped. You know, it's just like, hey, I know these people, and they're doing some really cool stuff. They're real people. They're like me. You know. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, that was one for the um, the record books for us for sure. And uh, as far as animals, did you get to see any killer whales there are definitely whales there we my big thing is i really wanted to see a narwhal really badly the unicorn of the sea (laughs) and um we should have been able to see them like we did see some whales we saw lots of seals um and then it was funny because our guides i kept saying how badly i wanted to see a narwhal (laughs) and it wasn't until we got back and he's like oh do you want to go see a narwhal i'm like yeah they had killed one and brought it into the harp not our guides but the locals because they eat and what they do is they'll go out and they'll you know hunt for seals whales and then they just tether them to the dock and just leave them there because they call it their local refrigerator and they just go get meat off of it as they need wow so so, yeah so he was like well there's kind of one (laughs) there's part of one yeah there's part of one I'm like oh no I don't want to go see that yeah so I'll have to go back yeah um have, did you get to see any orcas or killer whales we did from a distance only from yeah not really that close but um yeah we were always on the lookout and would just stop and stare at that slight movement anywhere you know, hoping to see something and we saw some off in the distance but nothing close yeah yeah I, I love kayaking it's my wife and I uh it's our one of our favorite things to do I think probably second to hiking and um we did have a, a long kayaking trip in um off Anacortes and we were hoping to see some orcas but we ended up um they didn't show up for us that day but we saw a bunch of other cool stuff but yeah kayaking is really the best I just love it we need to do a trip like that soon yeah yeah definitely so um out of all the trips you've taken and this is going to be an impossible question I apologize (laughs) what do you say are like some of the top experiences that you've had well Greenland definitely ranks up there um I think our time spent in Turkey is always really kind of dear to us. We took a house sitting job there twice. We went for once for three months and then went back the following year for another three months is a small town in the, in the Northwest corner of Turkey. And the people there didn't know English. There was, we had one friend, he was the English teacher at the, at the high school and he was our lifeline to the community really but he also at the same time because he was a teacher he'd introduce us to his students because they had never learned or never heard a native English speaker before so many of them so he'd organize picnics for us to go out and you know just so his students could speak with us and practice their English and hear us speak and he did that several times and you know we got to go to a wedding like he just set us up for all these great activities in the community and that's just something that regular tourists would never get the chance to do and so that whole experience for us is really we really treasure that it was a really incredible time and which is why we went back for a second three months but um yeah that really stands out for us as well there's I don't know there's so many our time in Bolivia and yeah 
it's hard to, it's really hard to rank. Like you said, it's an impossible question. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So I apologize, but I have to ask it because no, I'm just course. curious what comes to your mind. Yeah. Um, I did read in your blog that you uh, taught some, some locals how to swim in Bolivia. Tell me how that worked out. Oh man. It was, um, our very first country that we went to actually. And we had volunteered at a drop-in center for, for street kids. And one of the things that this drop-in center offered was swimming lessons and all of Bolivia at the time, it may have changed, but had only nine swimming pools. And there was one in this, in this small city that we were in. And so I was teaching kids that had never swam before. And because there was only the one, it was so crowded. I had this tiny, tiny little space. I could barely teach them to do anything because of the small space. Um, but it was, it was still a lot of fun to be in there. And they also just, for some reason, the older kids really wanted to race me all the time. (laughs) So that got to be quite entertaining. We would have at the end of every, um, I'd be working with the littler kids and there was other people with the other kids. And then at the end we would always end up racing and stuff. So it was, it was quite an interesting experience. That's for sure. It was, it was a lot of fun. Now you said that you're built for the cold. Um, you were recently in Finland, I think it was where I saw pictures that you got to go and stay at an ice hotel and then like did a polar plunge and, all sorts of cold activities. Um, for me, as a San Diego, as a San Diego native, I'm like, oh my god, I can see ice in the same picture, and she's in the water. Like, I just, <laughs> it blows my mind. Um, why did you do that? <laughs> well, the finish actually, it's. I mean, you hear about that every once in a while. Probably not in San Diego, but in Canada, they call it the polar bear dip. And it's really kind of, you know, a daredevil type of thing to do, to go jump and swim. And they do it to raise money for charity and whatnot. But in Finland, it's a regular occurrence, and they call it winter swimming. And it's something that they firmly believe in will um, increase your health. Um, You become more resilient to disease. It improves, like, your heart condition and all this kind of stuff. So there's quite a society of people that do it very, very regularly. And the lady that took us out that day, um, she goes about three times a week. And, um, so we had done it the last time we went to Finland too, but of course they make you do it every time you go. (laughs) And, um, it was, it's actually really refreshing. Like you, it's terrifying when you're in the water, you can't scream because you can't breathe (laughs) because your heart just kind of stops for a second. Um, but then you get out and just a few seconds after that, it's like a total natural high. It's just this really cool rush that you feel. And then you're sitting outside in your bathing suit and the snow is falling nicely and you're drinking a beer and then you go back in the sauna to warm up and then you go out and do it again. So it's really a really cool experience. And it's something that they do, you know, two, three times a week. A lot of them, they really believe it's very beneficial to their health. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's amazing. It's hard to wrap my mind around that those extremes. Like I know, you know, uh, what was it called? Hydrotherapy. I forget what it's called. Where they have spas, where they have the, the cold pool, but there's yeah. nothing. Yeah. The cold pool is nothing on what you did. <laughs> I couldn't get into that cold pool, and I was like, oh my god, there's ice right there. That's insane. Yeah. So, yeah. how was it sleeping on an ice bed? Actually, we didn't do that. We went there to the snow castle for dinner. It was the very first day they it was opened, so we got to tour it and. And go see all the rooms and stuff like that but because it was the first day they didn't have anybody staying there so we never actually got to sleep in the bed but um it was pretty cool still I actually I'm not sure how it would have felt about that um <laughs> there's a lot of reindeer pelts and stuff on the bed to keep you warm but um yeah I'm I was kind of glad for our bed that night <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I bet. Yeah. It looks beautiful. It the, was the pictures incredible. looked beautiful. Yeah. And um, you looks like you got to go on a dog sled ride. That's one of the things I'd love to do. Uh, tell me about that. How was that? You know, we've done dog sledding several times before, and I even grew up with a couple of sled dogs for a while. I grew up in such a small town that we would hook them up to our toboggan and they'd just pull us around the streets. Um, so we've done this several times before, but this was a really unique experience for us. It was 250 kilometers north of the Arctic Circle, and we each had our own team this time, so it really felt like it was as it was intended. Like, this is a true expedition. This is what you know, the people that lived in the Arctic used to do, that was their only method of transportation. And, you know, we each had our team of five or six dogs and we went long distances, like 30 some one day and 36 the next day. Um, we slept in what they call a kota, which is like a teepee essentially, although that one was pretty glamorous for a kota actually. <laughs> um, but we slept on, you know, reindeer pelts on a wooden bench and had dogs snuggled up next to us. And it was a really, really cool experience and something that was totally different than we'd ever done before, just because it felt like it was as intended, that that's the way it should be. It's not set up for tourists, even though it is, but it just felt like that that was a really real experience. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I think that that's definitely on my to-do list of things, uh, experiences I'd like to have. Um, but I, I definitely gravitate towards more of the tropical, which is probably the opposite of what you gravitate towards. Yeah, yeah as most people do. We're the weirdos. I totally understand. Well, I mean, it's just more close to what I've been bred for, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's definitely harder in the in the cold. I, I have a hard time, like... Once I get wet and I'm cold, it's really hard. I think I'm a real big wimp about it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm the same in the heat. As soon as because I'm the type of person when it's too hot, if I'm brushing my teeth, I'm still sweating, like the yeah. minor thing, and that drives me crazy. So no, I really can't stand the heat as in comparison. I would much rather be in the cold. So as far as your house sitting, you mentioned you house sit in Turkey for about three months. Yeah. It sounded like uh, you you guys are basically experts. You've you've had fourteen jobs. This might be out of date. It's from your website. Fourteen jobs in nine countries you saved a buttload of cash in the process um, and you recently uh, written an ebook teaching others how to become a house sitter and see the world which is off your website I'll have that in the show notes as well um, or a link to it obviously um, so tell me a little bit about like your housing experiences and like maybe you know your top trick or or, or tip mm. yeah you know it was a real game changer for us when we discovered house sitting because when we did uh, South America for the first year, it was the typical backpacking type of thing, a few nights here, a few nights there, which is actually really very exhausting. It is. And, um, yeah. um, after that year, when we knew we wanted to keep going, but we wanted to do it more sustainably, um, we discovered house sitting as a couple we had met in Ecuador, actually an American couple had told us about it. And so we started, we had applied for a job nearby, like it was still in Canada up in British Columbia. And Honestly, that it was a total game changer for us. And, and ever since then, I mean, we don't do it full time, but we do do it a lot. Um, just it gives us a way to sit in one place for a little while and really get to know it, but also save money and, you know, cook our own meals and really kind of feel like we're at home somewhere, even if it's not our own. Um, so it's, yeah, I think we've done, I honestly, I've lost track. I think it's been 15 or 16 jobs now around the world and it gets easier the more that you do. I think for people that are just starting out, it's tough because it's starting to get a lot more competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people are onto us now. <laughs> 
And so there's a lot more competition for jobs, but I think what's really, really clear is to have really good references and it doesn't even have to be, you know, house sitting experience, but a landlord or someone that can talk about how good you are with animals or whatnot. Um, those are really key in order to start landing a job here and there. Um, or for people who just want to start out and maybe they haven't left on their travels yet to try to do it for friends or family or someone in their neighborhood, just to get that experience under their belt, because it's gotten so competitive that, you know, people gravitate towards the people that have done it a few times and have people that can speak to how great they are. So it, that's the biggest thing is just to line up some really good references, I think, in order to get your foot in the door. Now, for those listeners that aren't familiar with house sitting, basically people need to go on vacation and they might have plants, they might have a property they want to be um, watched, they might have dogs or cats that need to be taken care of or a horse or goats or chickens. And so what they do is they find someone who actually house sit for them and these could be strangers. If they don't have family or friends in the area, let's say they're an expat living in Ecuador and they just don't have someone um, that they can trust to watch their home, they actually go on different websites and... Um, put in an ad saying, I need someone to house sit. And it's sort of an exchange. You get a free place to stay. They have someone watching their home and actually in a warm body there so that, you know, it's not, uh, um, I guess, easier to break into. Or um, And then, of course, it's taken care of and kept clean and things like that. So what's your favorite website out of all the different um, ones out there these days? Oh, boy, that's really tough. You know, um, for a long time, we were huge advocates of trusted house sitters. Um, they are the biggest one out there with the most sits. Um, but it's almost gotten to the point now that I feel like it's a bit overrun in terms of it is just really, really difficult to get jobs now, especially for newcomers, because there's just so many people on there. Um, we've been we've met with the owners of a new one called Nomador.com, and that's how we found our three weeks in Paris. And they are doing some really, their website is the best out there. It's got the best interface and they have a really great um, mantra of how they're proceeding and, and their, their method of growth and whatnot. And, and I think that they're the one to watch and we're, you know, always looking at all of them. There's several out there. So it really just depends on where you want to go. And if, if you want to house it in New Zealand, just look at all of the sites and see where you've got something, you know, that looks attractive for New Zealand because they can all differ. So yeah, we've used a handful of them. We've used different ones for sure, but Nomador is the one that we're really keeping our eye on these days. Is that spelled N-A-M-O-A-D-O-R? That's correct. Okay. Nomador. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. Um, I have never actually house-sit, um, but I am very intrigued and uh, had looked into it a few times, but then my plans always changed, so <laughs> I haven't been able to do that. Have you ever done any workaways? No, never done anything like that. Um, that's another, for the listeners that don't know what that is, uh, workaway or help exchange. These are websites that um, allow you to actually do a work exchange, almost like a, a, a broder, a broder, what's it called? Barter system, that's what I'm looking for, where you provide a service, help them on a farm, help a restaurant, help a hostel, and exchange for usually about 20 hours work a week they give you free room and board um, every situation's different however sometimes they only provide a room sometimes you'll get a stipend on top of the room and board it just it varies for every situation but um, 
they usually require like a minimum of three weeks stay, I believe, is, is pretty average. Um, but yeah, I haven't done that yet. It looked like it would be a neat experience in like New Zealand or Australia because um, a lot of the like help ex, it's kind of started there. So it's quite a few opportunities. Yeah. Well, no, we don't have 20 hours to spare a week anymore. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> we could never. Yeah. Some of those, <laughs> some of those deals don't look quite as good when you can, uh, you know, figure it out yourself through your company yeah, and things exactly. like that. That's part, <laughs> yeah, that's part of the reason I haven't done it as well. Um, but for a lot of young people out there, it's a great way to uh, really integrate into the culture too because you're working as, alongside locals and kind of see what the day-to-day life really is like when you don't have your vacation goggles on. Yeah. Um, so your focus, uh, I enjoy off your website, um, adventure, romance, culture, and taking things slow. <laughs> um, so how slow is, is slow for you all? You know, it's hard to find that pace that is, is a good intrinsic pace for you, you know, the, what, what actually works where you're not exhausted and you're not bored um, and, and you're keeping, you know, your day-to-day fresh. Um, you mentioned backpacking in South America was, you know, every day, a few days leaving. And it is exhausting. I, I completely agree. What has been your pace that you like? Oh man, that's tough. Um, it changes all the time. We always think we have that figured out and then something else comes up. Um, we were on kind of a two month on two month off. And by the off time, I mean, we'd be like house sitting somewhere or something, but for two months we'd move kind of rapidly and see a bunch of stuff. And then we'd go settle down for a couple months. Um, in the last year we did a lot more of the off, um, but just mostly because we were working on building up our business and whatnot. So we needed to be more stable. Um, but then like we just finished a rapid month through Finland and now we're kind of sitting here for a month and then, you know, it, it really, really just depends and also on where opportunity is. Um, in 2014, we didn't do as much kind of fun travel as we have in previous years and as we wanted to. So this year, we're trying to strike a better balance and be able to go do some more fun stuff. Like Finland was a whole lot of fun. And so now I'm afraid Prague will be kind of neglected because we just have a lot of work to do. <laughs> um, so we kind of have to try to balance that. But um yeah, we've got some exciting things coming up and uh, we're trying to really trying to get to places like Antarctica this year and whatnot. So we're, we're looking for the fun stuff now. Well, I look forward to those pictures. <laughs> mm, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, out of all the culture, how many countries have you been to, if you know, off the top of your head? Uh, I think it's somewhere around 45 or 46. I, I'm not really sure. Something around there. Okay. And out of all those countries, um, you know, for me, when I look at the countries I've been to, I have maybe a favorite for like, oh, they had the richest culture. Like I just totally dug their culture or maybe the, the beaches were the most pristine at this country. You know, like mm. what what are your favorite categories and which countries would slide into those categories? Uh, food is number one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, not that we write about food. And I always say it's because I would always just say how yummy or yucky it is. That's the <laughs> Um, I, it, it's a toss up between Italy and Jordan, I think for food, um, as a favorite. Um, and then maybe Thailand and Mexico. That's really difficult. Um, for like hiking, we always like to rank a countries for that. And Argentina is one that still really stands out just also for the variety of landscapes that country has. It goes from the tropics all the way down to, you know, massive glaciers at the bottom. So that ranks, um, culturally rich gosh that's so different there it's that one you can't even tell every country is culturally rich if you just take the time to look for it um yeah it's really different it's difficult 
but food for sure is is right up there. That and outdoor. So I'm surprised. Outdoor. I'm surprised Argentina didn't make it in the top three for your food. That was my favorite. Um, I'll take their steak over just about anything else any day. But it's so. It's kind. Of, they're kind of a one trick pony. I hate to say it. <laughs> um, after spending two months there, I was ready for a new cuisine, and I don't think I'd say the same about that in Italy or Jordan or Thailand even, or Mexico. <laughs> I guess I guess when that one trick is your favorite, you know? <laughs> it's, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. For me, I, just, I love, love steak. And then I love Malbec. I love their wine. And so yes. it's like steak and wine. I could have this every day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. What about beaches? Are you, are you, you're not much of a beach person, I take it, if you get too warm or? I like it in doses. Um, I still think that the best beaches we've ever seen were in Cuba. Um, we were there well before we decided to travel everything or sell everything and travel. And I still have never seen beaches like we have in Cuba. Really incredible. Cool. I haven't been to Cuba yet. Um, are you, you know, government's still kind of funny on that. Yeah. It's opening up now though. Hey, it's supposed to be, but I've been hearing that for a long time now. So I'm just waiting. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, when you were, um, kayaking on that trip, how long were you actually kayak bound? Um, let's see. So it was a, it was a nine day trip. I think there was one full day where we couldn't do anything because the weather was bad. Um, I think it was 96 or 98 kilometers total, which actually wasn't that bad over that many days. Um, the longest I think we were kayak bound for a day was like five hours. Um, yeah, it wasn't that bad at all. It sounds really far, but it's not that bad when you, you can do 25 kilometers and I think we averaged a pace between four and five kilometers an hour. So you know, you can do 25 kilometers in like five hours or something like that. So it wasn't that bad at all. And, and the water conditions were okay? Yeah, surprise. I really, like we're going through fjords. I was expecting some some good waves and stuff like that. But no, it was actually pretty calm most of the way. The, just the one day where the wind started to pick up a bit, the, so they held us back. But other than that, I was actually surprised at how calm it was. Um, have you ever had any health scares in all your travels? No, not really. We've... um you know, the odd food poisoning or sickness or, mm-hmm. yeah, but nothing, nothing major at all. We've been really lucky that way, I think. Have you got, do you guys purchase like trip insurance or do you just go out of pocket for your, and take care of your needs as they come? Um, we do have insurance, but it's only for emergencies. Um, if like I've gone to the doctor in Berlin and Ecuador or whatnot, and usually it's, it's, so inexpensive that it's not worth putting it through insurance. So we just save the insurance for real emergencies and, and take care of the other stuff out of pocket. And then as far as, um, what you pack, I'm sure you get this question all the time. Um, you know, moving around as much as often as you do, do you have a system that has been tried and tested that you just love now? Or are you still tweaking that? Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) If you could only see where I'm sitting right now, it's in a room where our bags have exploded all over the place. Um, We're pretty inefficient travelers, I have to say. We don't, we've never put a packing list on our blog and we never will because it's pretty embarrassing. Um, it's, It's hard for us because we typically, like we'll go from winter to summer to winter again. A lot of people like us will just chase summer all over the world and we've never done that. So it makes it quite difficult. Um, but what I find, my only tip that I give and what works for me is to just buy, carry a bunch of, a bunch, like three or four, um, short cotton dresses, like knee length and, and then leggings and other layers of long sleeved, 
uh, shirt to wear underneath it and or a cardigan to wear over top and then so in winter that's what I'm wearing but then when we get to a warmer client I can just ditch the leggings and wear the dress so it's it's those kind of layers I'm perpetually in a pair of leggings as a result but it's just what works because I you know can't carry a bunch of jeans around or don't want them when I'm in the warmer climates and so it's it's difficult but that's the only thing that I can really find that works for me and then as far as your male management do you guys use a service or do you use service of mom and dad or sister or brother yeah it is Pete's dad incorporated that handles that for us (laughs) (laughs) and his number is exactly (laughs) that's awesome yeah um my uh sister-in-law was really kind and and has handled our mail for quite some time. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's essential. And it just shoots it's pictures, essential. images of the ones you have to see, you yeah. know, uh, like uh, your yeah. tax forms, things like that. Yeah, exactly. That's what we do, get scanned things all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't it yeah. great that you don't have to have like an actual scanner these days, oh, yeah. you know, with the quality of phones? Yeah, for sure. It doesn't make it much easier. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been um, traveling full time? Um, so at the end of May, it will be six years that we've been out of our house and nomadic, essentially. And then, but it wasn't until the August that we got on a plane. So, you know, sometime we're, we're coming up on six years anyways. Well, congratulations. That's that's a long time. Yeah, crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Do you feel, do you still feel like you're going strong? Do you feel like, Hey, in another year or two, I'm like, I'm slowing down. Um, you know, want to, want to change things up or do you think that this is going to last for some time? Yeah, we really see no point in slowing down, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we do travel at a pretty slow pace most of the time, so we don't get tired from it. Um, we don't really miss having a home. I think actually the thought of having one makes us both kind of nervous because it's like commitment and stuff. Um, and we do enjoy the freedom to, you know, we worked all day today, but we can go out and have dinner in Prague. And then next week, you know, or in a few weeks, we'll go in Berlin. Like we can be wherever we want and still, you know, live our lives like they are. So there's just no real need or desire to stop I guess this is just life this is normal now out of all your possessions that you used to have you know how you said no possessions just travel um and you know that saying where they say you know when you have a lot and you have a lot to lose um is there one possession that you kind of miss or one thing was that bathrobe <laughs> bathrobe <laughs> that's an easy one bathrobe that was a quick answer yes. I thought you were gonna say like car <laughs> I know it's bathroom really- no, not at all. Bathrobe. I really miss coming out of the shower, putting on a big cozy bathrobe and lounging in that all day if I want to. So, wow. yeah, bathrobe. Right on, right on. Yeah, actually, I, I always missed a car. I, I've yep. driven since I turned 16 and I just love that freedom to uh, explore, yeah. you know, on those roads you can't, it's harder to get to by That's bus true. and, you know, things like that. That's yeah. true. I, I don't care about a car. I just want a bathrobe. <laughs> Right on, right on. Oh, man. So, okay, this amazing life that you're living, there are thousands of people out there that are looking to shift this life because the technology we have and the new ways to earn a living and the new ways to stay places uh, like you're doing, house sitting and things like that. Um, what advice would you give to those people who are hoping to follow in your footsteps? Um, I think this is a tough question, but I'm trying to think. There's a couple of ways I want to go with it. Um some people try it and they don't like it and they return to the lives that they had. And that's completely fine. And I almost kind of think 
to give the advice to maybe just try it in a shorter stint before you give everything up, because this definitely isn't a lifestyle for everybody. And, you know, not that anyone ever regrets doing that, but I think it's just a good way to, you know, take a backpack, go for a couple of months if you can, and just really get a feel for the lifestyle. At, at the same time, just at least do that. Like, don't wait and wonder if it's really the right thing to do. You, it's just something that has to be tried. Um, there's one thing, like it was it, the four months up in between, even when we sold our house and when we were actually doing it, there were so many times we questioned our sanity and our friends and family helped question our sanity as well. We're really good at that. Um, but the only thing, and so it was a roller coaster, but the only thing that we kept saying to ourselves is that we knew it was something that we wouldn't regret doing. And even if we came home two months later, and so that's kind of what kept us going. And we were right, obviously. Um, but so it's just something that, you know, don't wait for um, the tragedy to make it happen. Just go make it happen. We're only, you know, you're not getting any younger and all those cliches, life's too short. They all really, really are true. And, you know, you've got to at least give it a try. It's just, it'll always be regretted not doing it. I, yeah. Right. Yeah, I have a friend, uh, Corey Coetz, that moved to Costa Rica, and I said, well, what was the, you know, preparation like? He's like, I bought a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I mean, I'm sure he was being a little bit simplistic, but um, he's like, I bought a ticket, and then I figured the other stuff out. You know, I just have to go. You can't wait till the stars are aligned until you think you have every detail figured out or planned. You just got to go That's for it. That's true. We went with only our first three nights booked. And that was it. And we just figured we'd make it up along the way. And that's exactly what we've done. Yeah. And, you know, you really, I think that's the best way to do it because you don't know what the country's like. You know, you can see what the websites are like, but you don't know what the country's like. You can meet locals. You can get advice. Maybe you're not even, maybe you didn't even land in the quite the right spot. Maybe the right spot's 30 minutes over here. You know what I mean? For you. And, and uh, you don't know that till you arrive. And so, yeah, I really like that, that method of travel, having at least one night booked and then kind of scoping the place out and then figuring out where you actually want to be. Of course, that's hard to do during high season in certain areas, but yeah, it's a good way yeah. to travel. Yeah. Um, my last kind of topic I want to I want to cover with you is um, you don't see as many nomadic um, travelers that are couples, mm-hmm. and um, I love you know seeing I mean I, I travel with my wife and and we have a blast and so I love seeing other couple travelers, and so I want to hear about kind of your experience, you know, most people don't spend every waking hour with their spouse, you know, tell me about, you know, what that's like for you and, and, um, you know, the pros and cons of that. Yeah. When we started, that was one thing that we never really anticipated was the issues we would have when we started out because I mean, like I said, in the beginning, we, our quality time was spent in vehicles together, uh, to and from work. And so to just have those couple hours a day to suddenly spending 24 seven together and not having really the traditional roles, you know, like, Oh, Pete used to mow the lawn and I used to bake banana bread, whatever. Right. Those kind of things are completely thrown out the window because you're in a totally new lifestyle, not to mention a new culture, not to mention all these other things. So for the first few months, we really struggled and we fought a lot and it was difficult and it was, you know, we weren't quite sure, oh my goodness, is this really the right thing for us to do? But then we realized that we just weren't giving ourselves enough room. We were together all the time and and we still needed to nurture our independent self. Um, And so then we realized too that 
it was okay to ask for that. It was okay to say, Hey, you know, if we, and we get this way, we're bickering a little bit and it's like, Oh, we just need some time apart. So now I'll ask for it. Or Pete will just grab his camera and go out for a few hours and I'll sit and get some writing done or whatever. But it's just important to have that time to yourself, um, nurture your own independence, your own thoughts and all that kind of thing. And before we used to, if we brought it up in the beginning, it was kind of, you took it as an insult. Well, you don't want to be around me, you know? And, but then we realized that it's just an integral part of being in a relationship is to just keep your independent self as well. So it took some struggle to learn that lesson that we really, you know, needed to foster that as well at the same time and, and to not take offense whenever one of us asked for it. But ever since we did that, it's just, you know, it's like I said, recognizing an iron deficiency. It's like recognizing, oh, yeah, it's time we go apart for a few days or a few hours or whatever. So that was a really important realization for us now. And then now that we're, I mean, we're business partners too as well. We're, I mean, everything, we're so intertwined now. But, um, you know, it's just we know each other better than we know ourselves. And and it, this is the kind of lifestyle that will make or break a couple without doubt. And happy to say that it's made us stronger than ever. That's for sure. Well, that's great to hear. That's great. Yeah, I haven't mastered that um, asking, you know, for space. You know, we're, I think we're still in that phase where we're like, oh, man, you really need space away. You know, the whole taking it personal. Yeah. It's not rational at all. It's just sort of... Uh, I guess immature. I don't really know another way. But yeah, I still have a hard time not, you know, having that reaction or worried that, you know, my wife will have that reaction if, if yeah. I... Yeah. yeah. It, it It's a tough thing. And, and I think also, too, it's forced us to... I mean, we still have throughout the day a couple little spats or where someone will, you know, say something with a certain tone or whatever. But five minutes later, we've forgotten that's happened. Like, it's just a matter of being able to let the little things go to and... It's yeah, it's just made a huge difference. Yeah, you know, they say if you want to see if you're going to make it or break it with someone, just take them on a trip. Well, you guys are on a, you know, <laughs> an, yep. Yep. <laughs> you're taking that to the extreme. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, happy to say that it's made us, that's for sure. Well, that's great. I appreciate your honesty and, of course, all of your stories and uh, you just taking your time out of your your busy day to um, speak with us. And I don't want to keep you from your dinner that your husband's making for you. So um, I really appreciate you coming on the show and I can't wait to um, share it with everyone. Thanks for hanging with us. I hope you had a blast. If you know someone who would make a great guest on Earthy or you'd like us to cover a specific topic, reach out at earthydecor.com.